When no one else can understand me When everything I do is wrong Welcome to the B'nai B'rith International Podcast. I'm your host, CEO Dan Mariashin. Stay tuned for our interview with Hal Lansky, proprietor of the renowned Lansky Brothers in Memphis, Tennessee, clothier to the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley. 45 years since the passing of Elvis and on the heels of Baz Luhrmann's biopic, Elvis, we speak with Hal, who had a close-up view of his father Bernard's special bond with the king and has continued to build upon the store's legacy and lore. Just one brief reminder before we jump into our conversation, check out our series Conversations with B'nai B'rith and all of our interviews on Facebook and YouTube. You'll find discussions with diplomats, historians, Holocaust survivors, Middle East experts, even the first Jewish male astronaut in space. And get our latest content by subscribing to the B'nai B'rith YouTube channel and liking us on Facebook at B'nai B'rith International. Well, before Elvis Presley was the king, he was a local kid who spent some of his free time staring through the windows of Lansky Brothers in the heart of Memphis's music district. One day in 1952, Bernard Lansky saw a young, skinny kid admiring the clothes, and he invited him in. So began a long friendship built on trust and respect, one that Hal Lansky, Bernard's son, witnessed firsthand. Almost exactly 45 years after Elvis Presley's passing, we're so glad that Hal can join us to help celebrate Elvis's life and legacy. We'll talk about how Lansky Brothers became clothier to the king, his family's special relationship with Elvis, how Hal's father and uncle felt about being the men who dressed one of the 20th century's most iconic cultural figures, and how Baz Luhrmann's biopic Elvis portrays both his father and the king. Hal Lansky is owner of Lansky Brothers in Memphis, Tennessee. Hal, great to have you with us today. Thank you, Dan. Good to talk to you again. I think we talked uh, uh, probably five, six, eight, ten years ago. Uh, It's good to talk to you again. And, of course, you started this podcast out talking about this young man looking in our window. And this was uh, midsummer 1952. And, of course, my dad knew this young man was out of place because since this is a a Brene Brith uh, podcast and and uh, we're, we're so happy that uh, I'm so happy I'm Jewish. I'm going to tell you a little bit about the street. Okay, Bill Street was a rough and tough street. Uh, it was uh, it's a street where the African-Americans felt at home. You know, if you go to New York, you go to uh, uh, Little Italy. You know, the Italians felt comfortable there. If you go to San Francisco, you go to uh, uh, Chinatown, and the, uh, the Chinese felt comfortable there. But this was the same Bill Street. It was a it was a street where the uh, African-Americans felt comfortable, and the street was mostly run by Jewish merchants. There was Jewish uh, pawn shop owners, Jewish uh, uh, hardware owners, Jewish liquor store owners, uh, Jewish juke joint owners, Jewish clothing clothing store owners. So the street was definitely uh, Jewish, and uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, Jewish uh, merchants uh, came off that street and uh, made, a, uh, in, in, uh, I guess, an indelible mark on history. Uh, we had uh, uh, Abe Plow. Abe Plow's from Memphis. He was, uh, he's our local, uh, of course, he's been gone a uh, long time. He, he had drugstores on Beale Street and turned out to be uh, on uh, Copper Tone, uh, 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 St. Joseph Aspirants. Uh, There's another uh, guy that came off of Beale Street, uh, uh, 
Jacob Goldsmith started the, the, the Goldsmith's department stores who uh, eventually sold out to uh, 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 Macy's. And so there's been a lot of successes on Bill Street, but Bill Street was definitely a Jewish street. And uh, it was fun to, you know, as a child, I grew up on that street and it was, it was fun. Uh, you know, it's like no other street I've ever seen. I guess it could be like Delancey Street a little in New York. It was, it was fun. There was a lot of hustling. And, and, you know, if you walk down that street, it was like a carnival because all the Jewish uh, merchants, and my dad included, would pull you off that street and, and pull you in a store and try to sell you something. So you couldn't walk down that street without being hustled. So it was, it was a hustle and bustle. So my, as you said, my dad saw this young man looking in the window. And this young man, my dad knew he was out of place because first thing, he was white and uh, he, he had slick, greasy hair. And he was just, it was just a young guy. And my dad invited this, this young man in. And this young man, I said, Mr. Lansky, I don't have any money, but one of these days I'm going to come in and buy you out. And my dad said, don't buy me out, just, just buy from me. And my dad showed this young man a little respect. So they, they gained a little friendship. And, um, you know, Elvis uh, was working. Uh, well, of course, this young man turned out to be the greatest entertainer of all time. But he was working around the corner at, at the Lowe's Theater. He was an usher. And uh, on Fridays when he got paid, he came in and he, he, he loved clothes. So maybe one, one Friday he was, he'd buy a shirt for uh, $1.95. Next week he might come in and buy a cap for 50 cents. And, um, and so this started continuing. And uh, eventually he came in and said, Mr. Lansky, I'm going to be on national TV. And uh, my dad said, oh, that's great. That's great, Elvis. What show is this going to be? And, my, and uh, Elvis said, this is going to be the Ed Sullivan show. And my dad said, oh, that's, that's awesome. Because back then, the Ed Sullivan show was like the voice or like the Americans Got Talent. It was, it was pretty big. So uh, uh, my dad was uh, uh, showing him some clothes and showing, showing him some clothes. And then uh, Elvis looked up. He said, Mr. Lansky, I got, I got a problem. I don't have any money. And my dad told this, this young man, um, young Elvis, he said, Elvis, you got a problem. But I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to um, I'm going to buy uh, give you credit, but uh, you you better pay me back. And uh, of course, uh, Elvis has been paying us back uh, 45 years after his death because uh, we're known as the clothing of the king, and, and uh, people want to shop where Elvis shop. But uh, it's a fantastic story how this young man uh, turned out to be the greatest entertainer of all time. And uh, uh, you mentioned the movie, and uh, we were happy to uh, to be in the movie. Uh, uh, we helped Boz and uh, Austin Butler. They were in the store. His wife, uh, Catherine Martin, came by the store, and we we helped her, uh, um, you know, giving us uh, uh, giving her some ideas. We like to take credit for the black and pink color combinations of, of the fifties. My dad flipped flipped Elvis. I told Elvis how to wear his collar. Flipped it up, but um, um, we we helped them. But you know, they they did an incredible job on on their own and. Um, um, yeah, I, I, no way I could have done what they did. They were they were fantastic. I want to get back to the movie in a second, Hal. But, but let's let's go if we can. And we'll come back to Elvis. Okay. But before there was Elvis, the Lansky brothers opened their first store on on Beale Street in 1946, I think it was. Right. And they were uh, kind of a, what we called when I was a kid. We had an Army Navy store. It's Army surplus uh, after the war. And I, as a kid growing up in the late 50s, we had one of those stores and in my town. Um, they also sold uniforms. So tell us a little about how they, they got into the business uh, before Elvis arrives on the scene. Okay, I'm sorry, I've jumped, jumped a little, but uh, anyway, in uh, 1946, uh, my dad uh, and his brother uh, were looking for a, a place to open up their, their business. So uh, uh, their dad loaned them $125 to open up a business, and they found a location at 126 Bill. This is the location uh, um, that 
it, it, it started it all because that's that's where we, we began. But when when they got this location, they walked in the store, and uh, and the only reason they got the location, it was the the man that owned the store, a Jewish fellow, Mr. Polsky. He got he got he was murdered in the store. So uh, it, the store nobody wanted the store because it had I guess bad vibes. So uh, when when uh, they walked in the store, uh, my dad, you know, my you 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 knew my dad. He was a colorful guy, and uh, his language was unbelievable. And uh, I, I don't think I can use the words on this podcast, but uh, he saw this stuff and he he said, "This is not me." And he he threw this threw all this stuff on the streets, and within hours, all the stuff disappeared. You know, ladies rethrift because Bill Street. In, in the 40s and 50s, it was it was busy during the day and night, and especially on the weekend. So at that time, they didn't have anything to sell. But 1946, uh, the war was over. And at that time, uh, we had the uh, probably one of the biggest army depots in, in America. You know, Memphis is known as the America's distribution center. We had we had FedEx. So it's, it's true back then. It was it was great to ship all over the world uh, products. So uh they started buying uh, army cots, army fatigues, uh, uh, paints, and uh, um, everything that everything imaginable. And then after a couple of years, uh, it all dried up because everybody was pulling from the depot. So they needed they needed to, something to sell. So um, um, they went. My dad went to New York and he brought in the latest fashions. He went to California, brought in the California bell bottoms. And uh, my dad used to uh, love to dress his dress his windows. And my dad called them the, the lifesaver, his lifesaver colors. You know, lifesavers, the, the coats and stuff were reds, greens, oranges, uh, yellows, whatever. And this is what, what drew the uh, clientele into our stores. You know, we had a lot of church church choirs, uh, preachers, uh, uh, pimps, dandies, whatever you want to call them. They came to the store and uh, this is what started, started the business, a loud outlandish outlandish clothes and and of course on bill street you know all the other all the other merchants were kind of jealous because they they said the lansky brothers would never make it selling all that stuff and uh uh you know this is our 76 year in business so uh 76 after the fact that they said the lansky brothers wouldn't be in business we're still we're still uh going full 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 full, full force and uh we have four stores in the uh, lobby of the peabody uh hotel and that's another uh, Jewish story in itself, uh, if you want to uh, talk about that later. so Well, I talk about a little about the clothes. You mentioned the pink and black and uh, all the other co- color combinations, the lifesaver colors, as, as you called it. Um, and um, I, I, I did know your dad, and, and he was such a great salesman. I could see he was a great salesman. Where did you get, where did you made these clothes? Where did you buy these clothes? Did you design them? Is, did your dad go to the, to the manufacturer and say, look, I need this or I need that? How did that work? Well, you know, back back then, as they say in England, uh, most of our clothes were off the peg. You know, we just my dad went to New York. He he, he would buy unusual things, and then of course, when when Elvis started getting a little little traction, a little famous, he would he would have the manufacturers develop special stuff for Elvis. But most of it was off the rack, and uh, you know, we were uh, we, it was an African American store. You know, it, it was it, it didn't we didn't cater to to the white white clientele. It was strictly uh, ethnic ethnic uh, clothes, and uh, the louder the better. You know, we, it seems that um, your your father really was very much, uh, and your uncle, very much a part of Elvis's stardom. I mean, you played a role uh, in this. Uh, you know, people oftentimes don't don't think necessarily of clothes, although Elvis was very much um, connected uh, to those kinds of clothes, and and he set uh, he was a fashion pace setter. Right. Um, 
So at what point did your did your father feel, well, look, I'm this guy is he's stratospheric at this point, um, I, I, you know, and I'm really part of a part of this fame. Did he did he talk about that? You, you know, he you know, right after the Ed Sullivan show, uh, Elvis was like a rocket ship. He 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 restarted him so fast. It was unbelievable how quick it was. And at, at that time, my dad knew that this this young man was uh, un- unbelievable. But it was it was a whirlwind trip. And can you imagine, Dan? Elvis did this in an era before social media, Facebook, and and TV. Really, a lot of television and podcasts and stuff. But uh, he tra- he traveled fast to start him, and uh, uh, that's probably what uh, what uh, was his demise. It came it came too quick. You know, you talk about uh, the Beale Street neighborhood and the and the Jewish uh, merchants who were on the on the street. Um, I, when I came down uh, to Memphis and and did uh, some interviews about an article about Elvis and the Jews of Memphis, right. and had a chance to interview your dad, um, it, it was clear to me uh, after speaking to so many of these folks who were part of not only those who were part of his inner group, the Memphis Memphis Mafia, George Klein and others, but uh, his dentist and and the the landlady uh, in the in right. the beginning uh, with with the family um, and uh, Rabbi Fruchter and and his wife uh, all very much a part of his uh, being. Uh, it, it he really comes across and it comes across in the movie as well mm-hmm. uh, that this was a guy who really was colorblind and he was in that sense colorblind in terms of religion as well that he had he had friends he reached out and this was a period. In the South, in particular, where you had segregation, it was a period in which there was a lot of anti-Semitism, uh, in, in not only in the South but elsewhere. Um, did your did your dad feel the same way that this is a guy who really is is just open-minded to everybody? You know, he he has so many friends, and and he has so many Jewish friends, and he was all over the board. He had he Af- had African American friends. Uh, he he saw no no color or. You know, he he. And as far as my dad and myself, we we never saw any anti uh, anti Semitism or or uh, uh, racial uh, against anybody. He was just a good guy, and uh, he he loved everybody. He was kind to everybody. Do you have any any special? Uh, I know you have photographs. Do you have any special memorabilia uh, that uh, from from that time uh, that that you still have in in the archives or in the stores? We have a few things, you know, of course, a uh, hindsight, we should have had more, but, you know, we have some a c- couple of coats Elvis wore, and, uh, uh, you know, back in, uh, you know, Elvis shopped with us for three decades. He shopped with us in the 50s, and, and I tell everybody, that's, the Lansky look is when Elvis looked his best in the 50s. He was young and innocent. In the 60s, when he got out of the Army, uh, he, he wore these tight uh, continental suits, uh, small, uh, skinny ties, small lapels. And of course, this is when he was knocking out all those movies in in, in Hollywood, and then and, and in the middle of, uh, of the uh, '60s, it came in with the uh, the mod look from Carnaby Street in London. So there was a lot of wide bell bottoms, big balloon sleeves, paisleys, and then in uh, and then his final decade is a decade of fashion um, that I hope never comes back because everybody thought they were pimps because this was the superfly period and. Um, you know, they wore the long coats, and we were probably the only store in America that had a uh, a Jewish furrier um, uh, putting on uh, fur collars and fur. Uh, Mr. Lazaro, I'm just I had a minute to thank Mr. Lazaro putting on fur collars, mink collars, and mink cuffs and hats on them, and for all the all the all the pimps and all the brothers, and of course Elvis fit fit right in there. He he loved that look, and uh, if you look at Elvis' final decades, you can see him wearing a lot of the uh, the uh, superfly coats, but. Uh, 
But but anyway, uh, he, he shopped with us. Uh, we we do not take credit for the jumpsuits, uh, the Vegas years. We we uh, we did uh, introduce them to to some uh, jumpsuits in the early sixties, but uh, the Lansky look is uh, early fifties. That's when when he looked his best. Well, it's it's a look that that really is the kind of eternal because. Um, I know that, uh, you know, again, in each with each new generation, as Elvis has rediscovered, and particularly now with the movie, uh, people look for, for that that kind of uh, clothing. Let's talk about the movie just a minute. Um, Baz Luhrmann's biopic, Elvis, which was released in theaters 45 years after Elvis's passing. It's still in, in theaters now. Uh, it portrays uh, your dad and uh, and Elvis and Lansky plays a, a very central role. Uh, in in the movie, uh, of course, Austin Butler portrays Elvis, and you mentioned earlier I'd seen the photo of you and Baz Luhrmann and and Austin when they visited the store. Uh, give us your take on on how that relationship, how the Lansky relationship, is portrayed in the film. Well, you know, I got I got to tell you, you know, uh, um, I didn't know if if Lansky's was going to be in the in the movie. I, you know, they had an actor that was going to play my dad, a real famous Australian actor. Of course, when COVID hit, uh, he he got canned. So uh, um, this actor told me that Boz hated to to, uh, to, to do this, but uh, he he would make it up to me. And of course, you know when you, you, my my hopes were so high that we'd be in the movie, and then the the main uh, character of, uh, of my dad being being uh, canned, uh, fired. Uh, I, I, it's like somebody let the air out of my uh, balloon. So anyway, um, when I saw that movie. I just couldn't believe that we have so had so much uh, time in the movie, so much signage and stuff. And and I knew at that time uh, that my, myself and my daughter uh, Julie, who is third generation, I knew at that time we've been so we work every day to to keep my dad's legacy going. And and when I saw my dad in the Lansky's uh, building and uh, a business feature in the movie, I knew knew at that time my dad's legacy was validated. And it was very emotional for me. Dan, very emotional, but uh, it was a great movie. And you know, you got to admit, uh, you know, Elvis was a talent. He was he was the best entertainer I ever heard of. But 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 it was a it was a little uh, Mick Lansky uh, Stalin uh, that helped them put it, put it on top. Because back then, men men didn't really flip up the collars. Men did not wear pink. Um, men, you know, they just didn't dress that way. And he was kind of known as a uh, uh, outsider or some a weird dude, you know. But uh, but he he had the look and and he had the talent and that was a winning combination. So, you know, I, I just can picture. Uh, I think I was in the second grade. I must have been. And uh, my sister, we lived in New Hampshire. My sister went to Boston for some reason. My one of my older sisters, and they saw "Love Me Tender," which was 1956, and they passed out to every kid who came to the movie they gave a, a photograph of, of Elvis I can just remember I remember taking that picture she didn't know I took it and I, I took it to school because uh, even you know then um, even young kids had heard about Elvis and uh, it, that it was that look uh, and that music that combination uh, that really uh, did uh, propel him forward I want to ask you Hal what are you most proud of when it comes to your family's role in Elvis's lore. The movie, of course, now it memorializes it for forever because that movie's going to be around forever. But uh, over the years, uh, you've had so many important entertainers who stopped by your store because it is part of that story. Right. Uh, you and I were just talking before we 
began the, the podcast about James Burton, the great guitarist who was Elvis's guitarist, uh, who uh, uh, Elvis uh, you know, says, uh, play it, James. Right. In the wonder of you. I mean, what a, what a great guitarist. Uh, and he stopped by or you 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 met him uh, the other night um, and others come to the store. Tell us about that, how it's really it's like a, uh, a, a place of a pilgrimage where people have to stop by. How do you feel about that? Well, you know, every day people ask me, who, you know, if you walk in our stores, it's, it's lined with guitars by famous people has been in our store. And, and every day people say, how, how, who's your famous, who's your famous entertainer? Who's your famous entertainer? And I say, you know, once you met Elvis Presley, it's all downhill. Yeah, I got some favorites, but, you know, people come to Memphis. They want to eat, sleep, and breathe where Elvis Elvis uh, visited. So uh, uh, they, they want to shop with his clothier. And, uh, you know, we're, we're just fortunate we have a business. And you know, like I said earlier, this is our 76th year in business. And the greatest joy I have is keeping my dad's legacy along with Elvis's legacy alive. I mean, we, we come in, we treat we treat people from all over the world as family. We, we take time. We, we talk to them. Uh, we, we're just a constant. Uh, we, we've been a constant uh, part of the Elvis world. You know, it's all a piece of puzzle. And I'm glad to be a piece of puzzle. But we're there. We're consistent. Um, we try to we try to uh, just do the best we can and uh, take take care of the people when they come in. Well, visit Lansky Brothers at the Peabody Hotel in Memphis, Tennessee, or learn more about the Clothier to the King at LanskyBrothers.com. Hal, we really appreciate your being here today, sharing your family's incredible connection to Elvis Presley. Here's to another 76 years and, and beyond. Uh, it's It's been a real pleasure seeing you again. Thank you. From your mouth to God's ears, Dan. Thank you. And it's always good to see you again. And uh, if y'all are in Memphis, uh, uh, come by. We do have a beautiful website, uh, LanskyBros.com. And uh, I, I, I don't know if their time's up, but I want to show you. We do have a, a beautiful uh, a Lansky uh, history book. Uh, this book has been 70, 75 years in the making. And with the uh, new Elvis movie that's bringing the next generation into the fold, we have a, a new book. It's called Come On, a new children's book, Children of All Ages. Uh, Come on in, young man. And it's a, a beautiful book to get that young youngster uh, into the Elvis fold. Well, that's great. Thanks again, Hal, for, for joining us today. If you're looking for more of our programming, visit our website, benebrith.org, to listen to all of our conversations, podcasts, and live interviews. A big thanks to Hal Lansky for joining me. And as always, thank you for listening. If you like what you hear and you're in a podcast app already, tap the subscribe button to follow us. You can also listen to the show via the B'nai B'rith website. For my guest, Hal Lansky, and for B'nai B'rith, I'm your host, Dan Mariash, and talk to you again soon.